Welcome back to the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Anna. I'm John. We just finished wrapping another incredible season of Scared for Your Life. I swear to God, this festival keeps getting better and better every year. I was so excited that we were able to put all of this together. And, you know, the response from the filmmakers is always great. Getting to see people reacting to these films is so awesome. And getting to have all of our coordinators there at the festival this year was incredible it was really amazing to be able to be there like i hadn't been to one of our festivals since 2019 that was the first one that i was there for so i've technically only been at two of our festivals which is really depressing but it was (laughs) you're always there in spirit i'm always there in spirit and i'm always freaking out behind the scenes but yeah being there in person was amazing and it was amazing to be able to meet some of our regular filmmakers finally and being able to be at such an amazing venue for it this year as well I can't believe we locked the Huntington Cinema Arts Center for this festival. Like, that's a dream come true. We met John at that festival. Doza and I have been going there for years. They're, like, the place for one, independent cinema, and two, they do some incredible horror showcases year-round. There was one year where we had gone to see a double feature of Friday the 13th, and Adrian King was there. Incredible experience. Like, this is the place for this festival. Like Anthony mentioned, the history that this group has with the Cinema Arts Center, it really meant a lot. Like you mentioned, we had all met there and, you know, that spawned this friendship, this partnership that's been the basis of the festival, too, with how we're able to coordinate everything. And it was just so awesome to be able to have all of us present, all of us there, and to also, more importantly, give these films the proper venue that they deserve. For all of these filmmakers to comment afterwards, it was so awesome to see my film up on the big screen. You can feel how much that means to them. And that's what this festival is about, giving them the opportunity and the space to be showcased. Anthony, what would you say is one of your favorite parts about having a venue like the Cinema Arts Center this year? I think exactly like you said, being able to showcase these films as they're meant to be seen. And we've had some great events in the past. 2021, we did at uh, Amityville Music Hall. And, you know, it was a great space to get everybody up and enjoying the festival. Um, You know, it's a bar. So they were able to get the filmmakers were able to get drinks and hang out and mingle. But really, it's just we have the appropriate equipment You get to see and hear the films as they're meant to be seen. We had the space to have vendors come in this year. Jess had space to perform as our host. And the Cinema Arts Center has their own cafe. So food, drinks, everything was right there. So the filmmakers just were able to spend the entire time in the space, in that atmosphere, and enjoying horror for what it is. And the Cinema Arts Center, having its own memberships and having its own audience, it was really nice to see people coming in from the other theaters, from Cinema Arts memberships, just out of curiosity, asking us about the festival. We had a good number of people who just like were there to see another film, got out of their film, and went straight into Scared for Your Life, not knowing anything about it. And that response was amazing because it's like you have no connection to our festival you have no connection to these films no connection to the filmmakers you're here because you like independent cinema and you really enjoyed what you saw and i hope that like as we continue with the cinema arts center that's something that we get to see more of one of the things that i really liked about the cinema arts center is the fact that obviously we pride ourselves on the fact that we really care about our filmmakers i'd say like that's one of the biggest drawing points of our festival is we really care about our filmmakers And we really care about their films. 
and not just for the year that we're showing them for like every single year we keep up with our filmmakers and the fact that the staff at the cinema arts center showed that level of care and attention to making sure that like the biggest part of coordination was them showing so much care and attention to detail on how each of the films was going to be displayed and I really appreciated that and I'm sure the filmmakers noticed how much care and attention went into the way that their films were screened. Yeah, we spent a good amount of time going back and forth with them, just quality checking the blocks, the way that they were cut together, the way that the films were presented, the different files. Uh, they really took the time to take, you know, a month before the festival to be like, hey, fix X, Y and Z about this film, send it over to us in this format to make sure that it is presented in the best way possible on the equipment that they have. The festival not only feels like a festival, you're not just sitting down and just watching the films, but it feels like a true event. And the fact that we had the cafe in the Cinema Arts Center set up for our vendors was one of my favorite parts. We were just so lucky with the lineup of vendors that we got this year. And it was really the first year that we've had this many vendors and really the first time that I've been coordinating vendors. So I think for me, I was sort of really relying on communication with them and they were all so great at getting back to me and letting me know and like asking questions as well. And some of the stuff that everyone who was there had was incredible. We had Strange Love Parlor who are local as our featured vendor and they bought an amazing array of like horror memorabilia um, and curiosities. They were such a good draw. I They had some amazing stuff with them. I got my uh, leather face bust from them, got you the Lost Boys bag that they had. They just like, they know how to find the exact kind of stuff that like our audience is looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I saw they had a display of taxidermied uh, mice dressed up as various horror icons. I mean, mostly everything was horror themed. We also had Hook and Wickery who made some amazing candles and we had Caviar with Crows that had some amazing artwork. We had Masker's pictures there, which was really nice. Manny and Lindsay, we knew them as filmmakers first. They submitted to our festival back in 2019 with an incredible array of films. They're great filmmakers, practical effects across the board. Filmmakers that just really care about the art form. They've gone on to help coordinate with the Long Island Film and Television Foundation. Uh, Lindsay's now a board member there with me as well. But... To have them there as a presence, seeing that growth as filmmakers was incredible. Like they had their table with all their merch and memorabilia. They just finished their anthology, Dark Tales from Channel X, and they took the extra length to put special features in it. But we had seen a lot of these films throughout the festivals, throughout the years as isolated shorts to see them all strung together now and to have that in physical media, on DVD, I know Manny loves physical media, and like it shows. This is a great piece of horror memorabilia to have. But it was great to have them there as vendors this year. Yeah, we had a lot of really amazing vendors. We also had House of Babes there, and they were doing some clothes and also some custom fake press-on nails. And when I heard that they were bringing the fake press-on nails, I was like, oh, I don't I know. I like that you keep specifying that they're fake. Okay, what else are they going to be, I guess? Yeah. Real human <laughs> Real nails, nails. which is horrifying. That's the horror. <laughs> but when I heard that they were bringing the press-on nails, then I was like, oh, I wonder what these are going to be like. And when I saw them, they're just pure artistry. And there were some horror-themed ones. Um, and some general just really, really gorgeous 
perfectly designed ones. Every every vendor had something different, but all really targeted towards our audience. And they're what brought everyone who was seeing other films in the Cinema Arts Centre to us because they would come in and go, oh, pretty stuff for sale. And then they'd come to the information <laughs> table where I was sat all night and ask what was going on. And I would just give them a program and let them know and they'd be straight into the theatre to go and see all the films. And a lot of them just stayed the rest of the night, which was amazing. I love that most of our vendors this year, this was a lot of their first time vending outside of their like regular shop locations. So like Strange Love has their own shop, but I think this was their first time vending outside of it because they just opened last year or two years ago. This was Hook and Wickery's first time out in the public eye. Caviar with Crows is mostly on Etsy. So I know that this was their first time actually vending in a public setting, even though there are a couple shops on the island that hold their merchandise as well. And I think this was House of Babes first time vending outside of an online setting as well. Yeah, so it's great to have been able to give them a a venue and their their first opportunities as as vendors. So we had some really great sponsors this year that we'd like to recognize as well. Of course, Cinema Arts Center was a big sponsor for us this year. Horror TV, which is amazing. Delirium Magazine. Death Wish was back this year. I love my Death Wish mug. I still use that thing. You know, I bring it into work with me every single day. Deadbolt Mystery Society as well. And Mixtape Massacre, which like a lot of people in the horror community know and love Mixtape Massacre. Getting the sponsors for this year was one of the coolest things for me personally, at least, because like Deadbolt Mystery Society is one of my favorite boxed uh, mystery sets. Like I've done the Hunter Killers, I've done Mysterious Package Company, but Deadbolt Mystery Society is incredible. So fun. Great props, great stories, and it's a night worth of mystery in like a little $20 box. But just like being a fan of these things first and then having them support us and supporting these filmmakers was such a cool experience. Mixtape Massacre is my favorite game. I've been funding it from the beginning. On every Kickstarter they release, I have been a part of it. Even Invasion, even though I'm terrified of aliens. (laughs) Delirium, obviously, like their connection to Full Moon Features is so much fun it's a great horror news source but like if you love like the puppet master films and stuff like that this is your go-to place and also chris alexander who i've talked about a lot on the podcast before he was the ex-editor for fangoria and a really amazing filmmaker and a really amazing guy is one of the other co-owners of delirium magazine so i was fangirling a little bit when when we got delirium (laughs) it's been so great to have all of these vendors and sponsors on board this year and it's so great to see how they're impacting the horror community and making their mark as well like i said strange love just opened a couple years ago but they're already doing their own screenings in one of the rooms in their location. They're starting to host things like Women Horror Nights. They're starting to host their own screenings of indie horror films. It's just great to have another venue where we can showcase and celebrate independent filmmaking. So it's great that Strange Love came on board for this this year. It's great that we're going to be able to work with them on things like this moving forward as well. And just to have another place to celebrate independent filmmaking. We also had Horror TV on board, and we are inundated with streaming services right now. And there's a good handful of horror streaming services out there. But it was really cool to connect with Horror TV. Thomas, who runs it, is so invested in the films that he brings onto Horror TV. It's not just another platform that's trying to compete with Shudder. It's a platform where 
he's actively seeking out some of the lesser known films from eras like the 50s to the 70s. I love their classic horror selection on there already, but he's also hosting independent filmmakers. So this is a platform where you're going to see a lot more underground films than things that are in sort of the public mainstream eye. He's also open to hosting films that are found at festivals like ours. If a filmmaker produces something fantastic that needs a home and needs a place to stream, this is a great place to connect and make that a new home for your film. Which brings me to my next point. We had an awesome sponsor this year that just kind of floored me. We had the Paramount Pictures film Smile as our sponsor. They provided a ton of awesome merchandise, but to be like, yeah, Paramount Pictures Smile is a sponsor of this festival was incredible. Yeah, that was another one of those sponsors that really floored me. Just the fact that their marketing campaign was so ingrained in kind of the horror space that we all love. I love a good ARG and I love great viral marketing. And they were doing that in spades. It was just great to get that kind of support from a film like Smile. And a film that actually started out as a horror short. That is something that is so important, and we see it time and time again, these horror shorts getting the opportunity to get a bigger budget and to reach a larger audience. In fact, Smile was only supposed to be a straight-to-video release. It was supposed to be released at home on Paramount+, Plus, and they took a chance. They released it in theaters, and I don't think I have to remind anyone of just how successful this film was. So it just shows that if you're investing in independent film and horror shorts, a lot of times you are going to find that next big thing there. And thankfully, we had such a great catalog of films this year. I'm so excited to get into these films. Mask of Death was truly something that stood out to me when we were watching it. We got this film in and it presents itself in that style of Italian Giallo cinema where it is it's an American made film that is made to look like it was dubbed over in Italian and then redubbed in English. The whole aesthetic of this film is gorgeous. It's that 80s B-movie bright reds. Everything is like oversaturated. They really went the extra mile to stylize this film. It's a fun story. It moves really quickly for its half hour runtime. I was so glad that we got this one in. And they were just a group of filmmakers who were so much fun to have at the festival. They're the audience members that you want, cheering for everyone else's films, audibly gasping and responding anytime something exciting happened in someone else's film. They're not just there to support their own film. They brought everyone out to have a good time and celebrate these films with everyone else. That's one of my favorite things to see when you've got an audience as great as the audience that we had that is there cheering everyone on, clapping after every film as soon as the credits roll. And like you said, those reactions, the audible gasps and the screams that we'll get from film to film is always so exciting. What I really loved about Mask of Death as well is that it was kind of a film that was saved from its original purpose. The story was the sound for the film they had originally made did not come out right. They weren't able to salvage it. And with some quick thinking, they said, you know what, let's just make it like this old school Giallo film and make it as if it was originally in Italian and got redubbed into English, which is just genius. And it's that spirit of these filmmakers, which makes this festival so much fun to coordinate year after year. One of the first standouts that I can think of for me was Ave Maria, which is by Skip Shea. That won our Best Death Award. And that just got to me because it's all about religious trauma 
And to me, like, that's a horribly fascinating subject. But it was just done in such a short, I was going to say short, sweet, short, horrifying. It ain't sweet. (laughs) A short, impactful way that made sense. Um, And I I was really happy about that. I love that Skip roots it in history. Like, it connects directly to the singer who originally sang Ave Maria. He gives a little backstory on it. Huge shout out to Skip. Awesome filmmaker, awesome guy. But Skip also runs the Sean O'Shea Film Festival, which is something I would like everybody to keep their eye on. It's a great foundation for a great cause to donate to as well. Definitely. And all this is difficult because they all stand out to me in so many different ways. A, a quick shout out to Pox for being our only animated film because it was just so beautifully done and I really encourage more animation in horror. It's so impactful and it's it's just such a, a good way of ensuring quality without and like freedom in your story because you can animate anything to happen. And as much as I say you can do anything with practical effects, then, you know, most people will go for the CGI route when they're doing live action. And with animation, you can, you have free range over what happens. You can take them to space, like, and you don't need to pay much for it. It's traditional <laughs> 2D animation. 2D animation is a labor of love that I will put up there with practical effects. Not to dissuade CG, there is a lot of time, work, and energy that goes into it, but it gets used incorrectly most of the time. But for this to be an entire short done in 2D animation really showcases how much this filmmaker wanted their vision to come to life in this grotesque but beautiful way. There are there are color patterns that you are going to have such a hard time getting practically through film that this they create in this animation. It's going to be so expensive to do practical effects for some of the gore elements that they do in this, but they found a way to do it beautifully and seamlessly through animation. Definitely. And it's our second animated film that we've had in the festival and it's just so nice that both of our animated films have been one stop motion, one 2D, and I really appreciate that. I watched I when I'm judging, I watch all of the films at least twice, just in case I've missed anything, just in case I've misjudged something, just to make sure I'm being fair. Um, I have a lot had a lot more time on my hands than you two probably did to be able to do that. But yeah, Ivy Elf was just absolutely stunning, and I was just blown away by. The cinematography, the acting, and it's all in Italian. So we had another Italian film this year, which is amazing. Yeah, but this one's actually Italian. This one's Italian. actually Italian, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just uh, everything about that really blew me away. It was just so impactful without having to use dialogue to get the story across, which I really appreciate. It's haunting. It's beautiful and haunting. It, this film just, it drags you down to its level where there is something wrong going on here without giving too much away. Like the protagonist is constantly running from something that you never see, but the reveal at the end brings everything home in this just like haunting inevitability. I love that the film had enough restraint and patience to let the film, to let the story develop naturally and it made it that much more impactful. I also really loved that we got a good deal of creatures this year. Dead Language, Patty Cake, Upon Arrival, had some of our best creatures of the festival. What were your thoughts on those films? 
Uh, patty cake i was not prepared for what patty cake delivered (laughs) i was going into it they they play off of the momo meme and i was going into it expecting okay creepypasta adaptation but this served up so much more it creates this multi-layered story with some really interesting characters and some really interesting development that happens throughout it That gives it more layers than just Momo. It has a good deal to say about how we approach social media. But the patty cake creature effect stands out so much to me. My God. puppetry. It's a big old (laughs) giant puppet. It's horrifying. It's fun. It's it's like one of those quick-witted monsters. Like, it's got something to say. Damn. I love this movie. Yeah, I think we definitely got some amazing creatures this year. And upon, like, even, I guess it's a creature, but Upon Arrival really blew me away just because I, I don't jump or get freaked out by much because I'm constantly watching horror, so I'm kind of desensitized to it. So I just appreciated the fact that they even made me be like, oh, okay, I need to go and watch something happy now before I go to bed. Um, (laughs) That that really shook me. But I really appreciated Dead Language because I respect Erica a lot as a filmmaker. It's not just being being biased and being all woman in horror, but yes, more women in horror. But we had uh, Firstborn from Erica a couple of years ago and... We had Dead Language this time, and both of them are just these really witty horror comedy shorts. And we always appreciate having a bunch of comedies to choose from, especially now we have our comedy award as well. I feel like Erica is the reason we started our comedy award. We get some great dark comedies every year, but that tongue-in-cheek humor that we got from Firstborn and from Dead Language, I want an entire pantheon of Erica's demons. Definitely. She can make like a comedy series that I think everyone would love because her her comedy is just so on point and I feel like it's humor for everyone. It's not too dry. It's not too on the nose. It's not too obvious. It's just like the perfect tone. And I really appreciate her for that. Our dark comedy this year was over the top. So much fun. Great play on zombie films, which, you know, we've seen so many zombie films. It's very easy to be played out. But this one took it to another level. Hollywood Post 43 Last Stand, that was our comedy winner this year. And there was just so much fun to be had in that. It, that was another one that had great audience reaction. It's always great when the whole audience is picking up on uh, the humor that's going on, that juxtaposition between horror and comedy where they're doing these suspense builds that land in comedy rather than horror. And the twist resolution at the end is just so much fun. It was so deserving of our horror comedy award. I do kind of regret calling it the Chrysippus Award because I feel like it is just, it's a mouthful. It's a lot. But I couldn't even remember it. how to pronounce it. <laughs> so I think we need to touch base on that for next year and maybe change the name of the award. But we named it after the philosopher who laughed himself to death. And I think that's morbidly fitting. You know, one of the other creatures that I want to make sure we don't forget to mention was the creature from The Order. This was, you know... A film that went kind of right to the point. We got a lot of world building and character development right at the very beginning. We knew exactly what the characters' motivations were. And then the film ended off with this great reveal of not showing too much, but just showing just enough to get us curious about it. And then some lore that got dropped in there as well. And this this practical creature that we got at the end of uh, Michael's film was incredible. I just love that we get food monsters every year. 
And it's very <laughs> tempting to open up a food horror trophy category because those are some of the best ones that we get. It really blends that suspension of disbelief and subverted expectations. The order is based on essentially a Grubhub driver and you don't know what quote unquote the order is until the end. And it's like one part funny, but also another part like really dark. I think it's just really dark. I mean, I, <laughs> I laughed a little bit. I, I did not laugh. I was like, oh, oh, I don't know. Is this too much? Um, you know me. I love my cults. I love that. Like, yeah. Upper crust aristocracy doing some of the taboo stuff. Yeah. The reason why my mind was like, oh, this isn't too much was because the story was so strong around it. It was just like a a little shock. But it was just done so well. And I, one of the favorite things for me about The Creature, because you only see it very quickly, was that you get a greater glimpse in the credits at the end where they show these like old school cult book with like sketches of The Creature. And that was so interesting. And that was like the really big selling point for me after seeing The Creature. I was like, oh, I, I want to go back and look at The Creature again. And I was like, oh, we have sketches in the credits. I thought that was really clever. Yeah, I love that we basically got our own little black zodiac at the end of the uh, the film for that creature. Lore is just such an easy way to like sucker us in as judges, give us subtext, give us something to latch on to that isn't the the most overt part of the film, but something that's going to keep us thinking about it. And we get that a little bit in Caregiver, where the statement that the filmmaker is making is the thing that you're thinking about more than the film itself. You have a character who is, quote unquote, taking care of her father. And all of this buildup is about her relationship with her father. And you're not sure if he's alive or dead. You're not sure if you're witnessing a haunting. And then the reveal at the end is just this great take on mortality and the roles that we take with our family through the aging process. And, you know, for better or for worse, what you would do for your family. This was one of those ones kind of like the order where at the end, the reveal really does work so well. And again, it's just because of the the pacing. It's another great practical monster. Yes, very true. I also like the fact that we get a few kind of messed up moral stories every year. And I felt like Caregiver and Cameo were two that gave us really like questionable moral stories where we were like, in that same situation, would you do the same? And in Cameo, um, like Caregiver is all about family and like, what would you do in this situation? Would you still hold those morals? And same goes for Cameo, where it's like, in this situation is, you know, your morals are, they're not right when they're acting out of rage and scorn in the moment and the consequences of that going forward. So I just thought they're really two good morality tales that we had. Cameo is another one that has some good lore. It's a cursed object film at its core. I love a good cursed object. I love that there is subtext surrounding it that gives you more information about the cursed object than what's being shown in the scenario of the person who is currently holding the cursed object. I hate how vague we have to be with these. I wish I could spoil these films for all of you, but they're still on their <laughs> festival circuit. And if you can see them, go and see them. Treat yourself. They're amazing. They're fun. Cameo, while we work 
with the Long Island Film and Television Foundation, and we are a sister festival to LIFE, the Long Island International Film Expo. Every year, the filmmakers from LIFE get a discount code so that their horror films can be a part of Scared for Your Life. And seeing Cameo and meeting Ryan at LIFE this year, I was like, I need this film in this festival this year. So I approached Ryan. I talked to him about it. He's a great filmmaker, great guy. It was just so nice to connect with him on that level and be able to be like, hey, I really want to showcase your film again in this festival, sister festival. And we got some really good ones from life this year. The winner of the Long Island International Film Expo for their Scared for Your Life horror block, which we also host and judge, was Domestic Bliss. That film is breathtaking. I cannot say enough about it. The love and care that went into making this film is unparalleled. I wish we could have awarded it more and again. The entire set is this, like, baby pink. It's a domestic horror that really ties into that contested castle motif that I always go on about. And it really, it takes this, like, 50s aesthetic and makes this really pretty horror. Yeah, the the reveal at the end becomes so much more shocking because of how pretty the rest of the film is. Within the cinematography, within just the entire art direction of the film, once you realize exactly what's going on, it makes it that much more horrific. It's that juxtaposition between the two. I also love that that's another film that gave us a character with some questionable morals and that they kind of got their comeuppance at the end of everything. I think both of them have really questionable morals and they're making a sequel and I can't wait for it. Ooh, nice. (laughs) They're predominantly a theater troupe and this was their first foray into filmmaking off of a concept that they've done with their theater troupe. They do immersive horror theater and I highly recommend following their journey. We'll post the Instagrams for all of our filmmakers on the Scared for Your Life and Hauntsville Cryptcast Instagrams, but definitely follow everyone's journeys. This one in particular, if you like immersive theater, if you like horror, this is a great thing to follow. I really love that we had another tale of a character with some questionable morals getting their comeuppance in The Witch of Bridge Street and to have people involved with the film there at the festival you know, to see everyone's reaction was really great because it was a, a film that was just as funny as it was horrific at the end of the day. Yeah, that guy deserved everything he got in that film. He was, <laughs> but he was like perfectly annoying. He, and it, it it was portrayed really well because every girl knows a guy like that. And so he kind of just living vicariously through her being like, yeah, you get him. So I was I was happy about that. We got some good revenge this year. Uh, Seven was another one that uh, had a character getting their comeuppance. First time filmmaker, they won our Fresh Blood Award, took on a legal drama as their first film. So I thought that was a really interesting undertaking. We definitely had a, a strong revenge theme going this year. John, I know being such a music person, you really enjoyed everything about Poltergeist Punk. I absolutely love it. So that. fun. <laughs> yeah, the the fact that I'm a musician definitely, it tugged at my heartstrings. And the characterization of Lucas, their drummer, was just a standout character in the film as well. I love a good 
you know, music against the demons uh, type of film. And that was that was just a lot of fun. It was very fun. I loved the comedy in the film as well. It just worked. It worked for me. And I felt like it was endearing. It kind of had a Shaun of the Dead feel, in, in my opinion. And I think that's why I connected with it so much. Yeah, it was like Shaun of the Dead meets Airheads meets Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> the perfect trifecta. I wish it had focused a little bit more on the music. I like that the resolution was music. But to have that side by side with a film like Limbo, which is non-dialogue, entirely music and choreography driven, that was just a beautiful piece to showcase. And Mark is just such a great guy great filmmaker. We really get lucky with the caliber of filmmakers that we get. Everyone has been so fantastic. Definitely. Limbo was such a standout in in terms of everything. Music, the choreography was absolutely insane. And even the lighting, the lighting really, oh, it was just, it was beautiful. It was beautifully done, Limbo. It follows the laws of spectacle. Everything about this is a treat for your senses. I loved just the artistry behind Limbo and the fact that it was cyclical and it was so beautiful to look at. We really did get some films that were just such a joy to look at this year. Another example of that would be The Call of Water. That film was just gorgeous it looked so gorgeous and was such a like anthony like you mentioned a spectacle that's another film that was a crossover from the long island international film expo this year this film is it's stunning it is centered on generational trauma which is handled so well with this it gets into the main character's hereditary roots Uh, it's really her facing herself and her family and coming into her own like there isn't really a final girl element to it like there's not a lot of death in this film but everything about her journey screams final girl having call of water and having limbo be these cyclical films about breaking cycles essentially it's just such an interesting element to look at in filmmaking and i think our film borrow or rob does a fantastic job of that as well because the whole film is about a cycle it's never ending it's a loop and uh, you have two characters who live on different sides of a mirror from one another who are trying to communicate with each other to try and break this cycle to set each other free and it just gets into this inevitable hopelessness at the end when you realize what's going on when you realize the trap that's been laid out for them when you realize what they've been kind of set up for and again that's a film by the gradens i love seeing everything that they produce they had even come out and said that they made this film for scared for your life as a love letter to scared for your life that's one of my favorite filmmaker relationships that we have in this watching all of them go on this journey having liz be in a film was so much fun this year because i'm like okay everyone is in this one absolutely yeah that sentiment meant so much for us to hear Having filmmakers come back to us time and time again, they see the level of care that we put into the festival. They see that we really are there to help showcase their films in the best way possible. So to hear that from a filmmaker who submitted with us time and time again just meant so much that they said, hey, listen, we're coming up on the deadline. We want to have something for this festival. And it just feels incredible to be able to give a platform like that to these filmmakers. I say it every single year. Without these filmmakers, without these films, we would not have a festival. So just as a huge thank you from all of us to those filmmakers, just thank you, thank you, thank you for making this festival possible. 
watching every filmmaker's journey, watching them grow, having our regulars, getting these new filmmakers and getting these international films in, that drives us so much harder to become a bigger and better festival every year. We want to make sure that everything is tenderly and lovingly catered to about how your films are handled, about how they're showcased, about who they're showcased in front of. We Every year we want our audience to get bigger. We want more people seeing these films. We want more press covering it. And we got a great write-up in the Long Island Press this year about the festival, which was really nice. It's great to see people talking about it, people talking about independent horror, people talking about the journeys of these filmmakers and just giving them a chance to shine. And hopefully, you know, someday they get the smile treatment where their short film, the reason they do this, their proof of concept gets to turn into something much larger. Yeah, overall, we are really lucky with our festival and we were lucky to have so much quality this year and we, it's impossible to accept everyone who submits to us. And it's, it's one of the most heartbreaking parts of the process is narrowing it down. So I just wanted to see if there's anything that you guys feel is good advice to let people know what we're looking for next year. I don't know if it really counts as advice, but I mean, like I mentioned, I want us to get bigger every year. I would love for us to be able to host a weekend of this event, maybe start accepting some features. Personally, I'd love to see more international films come in. We got some really great ones this year and some of them that we just didn't have the time or space to showcase. I would love to be able to do, you know, a block of international films so we have more to showcase than just, you know, two blocks. It's great to have those two blocks, to have the intermissions, to have a chance for all the filmmakers and audience members to mingle. But I would love to pack a weekend with just incredible films. I think the only advice that I would give is if you have submitted to us before and haven't made it in, just keep submitting because, like we said... We have the best and hardest job ever of having to pick films and, you know, at times turn some films that we really love away. And that does not mean that we didn't think that your film was up to par. It may just be a scheduling thing. So please just keep submitting to us. We would love, like Anthony mentioned, to expand the festival to multiple days and to have different blocks showcasing these different types of films. As always, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for making this festival possible. Thank you for making our job so difficult. And thank you for celebrating independent film with us. It's so great to see more of these independent films getting their moment in the sun, getting their time in theaters, seeing films like Smile, you know, make box office records and show that people want new ideas. People want new horror. If you want new horror, stop going out and seeing the remakes. Start going out and taking a chance on the stuff you've never heard of. Go out to festivals. Come hang out with us. Follow each of these films and these filmmakers on their journey while they're still in the festival circuit. We're vague for a reason. We want you to go see them. But as for now, next year, Scared for Your Life opens for submissions April 1st. The Long Island International Film Expo is currently open for submissions. We'd love to see what kind of nightmares you guys are making. Speaking of nightmares, do you guys want your fear of the day? Let's do it. Your fear of the day is visiosubridiophobia. Oh. Um. <laughs> Something to do with your eyes Ooh. and Invisalign. Is it? <laughs> a fear of like glare or brightness 
No. Uh. The fear of your eyes drying out? No, but I have that fear. <laughs> Visiosobridiophobia is the fear of smiley faces, so never send these people emojis. Should have got that. It was right yeah. there. It was right there. And well, every one of these films that we mentioned is a strong recommendation from us. Do you guys have any recommendations that you want to push out to people that are maybe on streaming platforms right now? Absolutely. I just checked out the film Bed Rest. It's available on Tubi and it stars Melissa Barrera, who was in the recent Scream requel. It was a really fun, entertaining film. Only 90 minutes. I love when they keep it short. So go out, head over to Tubi, and check out Bed Rest. My recommendation is available on Shudder right now. Um, it's called The White Reindeer. It's a Finnish film from 1952. All black and white. Um, really airy and just haunting. And, and it's nearly Christmas. It's white brain deer. So, yeah, you can check that out. And it was originally in Cannes Film Festival and won Best Fairy Tale Story. So, links back to the festival. I want to recommend Torn Hearts, which is available on Amazon. Holy shit, y'all know I love a good Southern Gothic. This is a lovely slow burn with some real good tension builds. And it set Anna and I on a Bria Grant rabbit hole uh, from this end of the stylist. Definitely a filmmaker I'm going to be following. Thanks again for tuning into the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Anna. And I'm John. Happy haunting. Happy haunting. Happy haunting.